Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts. All right, what's up, what's up? We are live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark coming at you from Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, very, very excited to be here on the show today. And um, it's been a big day on Gamecock Central, Chris, and we have, um, I would say, no shortage of, uh, of, I would say, personal business news there on Gamecock Central as we hit game week, South Carolina versus Tennessee it is finally here, and um, the response to this show, man, has been awesome. We sort of teased it last week. We talked about the fact that we wanted to be able to do the show a little bit more, and dude, because we also have had the uh, the outpouring of support from a great sponsor now, we can officially announce we're going to be doing the show daily during this college football season, every single day. Still working on maybe the exact times we're going to do it, but basically every single day now you're going to be able to watch GC Live, and that is, of course, Chris, thanks to Affordable Medical USA and the Game Day Chair. Yeah, man, AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Make sure you check those guys out. Local business here right in West Columbia, actually moving into a new store soon. And, man, I'm looking forward to getting out there when Chris, who who is the owner, uh, when he opens up his new shop that he's getting very close to open, I think we're going to go out there. We're going to show people the game day chair. Check it out. we got links all over GamecockCentral.com. If you need it, make sure you ask us. We'll be glad to drop you the link to it. It is basically a chair that is probably, I would say, the best recliner that you've ever seen. <laughs> Tickets are limited this year. A lot more people are going to be watching at home. So when you get up on Saturday, you're ready to watch the Gamecocks play, watch football all day, get in this chair, the fabric. They've been using the fabric, and they put it in Gulfstream jets right now. So you'll feel highfalutin, and you'll be very comfortable uh, when you're in the game day chair. So you see it up there in the top left corner. Call those guys. Visit their website. Check them out on GamecockCentral.com. We really appreciate their support. Make sure you check them out because they're a big part of why we're doing this show daily now. No doubt, and I see everybody already getting in. We are, of course, live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter, and right after the show we are – we do post it on our podcast as well. So if you're tuning in after the fact, hey, come join us live. But no matter when, where you're listening or watching, we definitely appreciate the support. Wherever you're at, hit the like button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Just push all the buttons on your screen, and we appreciate it. And uh, we already got a number of folks in. I see, uh, Chris, I see Levante Valentine. Uh, I'm overwhelmed by all the visitors we have already. Yeah, 
Yeah. Former Gamecock running back, Levante Valentine. Dude, I hope you're doing well. I know um, – I think we probably both interviewed Levante at some point uh, during the recruiting process. He's uh, commented there on Facebook. So, Levante, if you're still on there, man, great to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. What are you uh, What are you running the 40 these days, man? I know uh, this, this guy could run, so I'm sure uh, Levante's still got the speed on. But um, – yeah, man, appreciate you do- joining in. We got a bunch of folks on here, um, some new names and some old names. So uh, we appreciate that, guys. But okay, dude. So we're here. It is game week. It is South Carolina, Tennessee. We've been talking about the fact that we would be talking about an actual football game this week. So now we're here. Let's do it. But first, uh, we do have a special guest joining us later on in the show. Eric Kimry is going to be joining us at two ten. Plenty to talk about with Ek. I know you did his podcast yesterday. We're, this is obviously Monday. You recorded that on Sunday with him. Is the Fade In podcast up yet for today? I've not you seen? seen it up. We'll have to make sure we ask EK when we get him on. It was okay. not up when I checked a few hours ago. Okay, so you did the Fade In podcast. EK has a show on 107.5, obviously Hammond head football coach. But um, we're going to talk to him a little bit about going into this game, what your thought process is as a head coach, as a play caller, as a backup quarterback. But also, first and foremost, we want to announce that EK is going to be writing for us on Gamecock Central this year. And Chris, uh, the thing about giving Eric Kimry a spot to write about is you don't – I mean, the thing about EK, he's got a great sort of uh, creativity about him. So I'm excited to see, are we going to get X's and O's? Are we going to get schematics? Are we going to get the philosophy of life? Um, I'm I'm excited about the EK edition on Gamecock Central. I think we're going to get some of all of it. It'll be sort of a grab bag of a philosophy scheme and and who knows what else. So uh, I think it's going to depend on week to week. Whatever inspiration hits EK is, is probably what we'll get, but Man, I'm really excited about it. He's a guy that obviously former Gamecock, a guy that's still in the community, a really good football mind, really good guy. We always enjoy our conversations with Eric, and so we've been wanting to bring him on, you know, to add value to our subscribers. And we got a special deal for people too, man, who who want to jump in and get all our coverage. And having Eric as a part of the team is just another part of that. So we're excited to launch that today as well. Yeah, for those who don't see it, Levante did get back to us. Uh, he says he's running a four three four laser, and I hey, I believe it. Uh, Levante can run, man. I'm I'm really glad to hear from you. We miss you around here. Uh, good to see you. Seem to be doing well, and it may, maybe we'll get Levante on as a guest at, at some point. But so, Chris, all right. Before we get Ek in, I know we got a lot of stuff to hit with him. What is your initial first takeaway? We're going to break down this game all week long. What is the overarching first thought that comes to your mind when you think about South Carolina versus Tennessee this Saturday, 730, uh, the kickoff of the season for South Carolina. Well, I, I'm trying to move past just the initial just happiness that football is actually here and, and look at it as, an, you know, just for what it is, an actual football game. There are going to be a lot of questions, you know, w- which players are both teams missing Obviously, there there may be some for each squad right now that are already out. There may be some that, you know, will, will be out by the time the game rolls around. They're still testing three times a week at each at, at South Carolina. So those things are there. But aside from that, just looking at it just purely as a matchup, I think it's two programs who are trying to 
make a move in the East. South Carolina obviously has gotten the better of Tennessee lately, except for last year. Tennessee's looking at this as sort of a springboard game to build off of what they did last year. South Carolina trying to get back on the right foot and not give any sort of perception that Tennessee's passing them. But aside from that too, Wes, in addition to that rather, it's two teams that I think are very familiar with each other from a coaching staff standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, and two teams that could end up being pretty evenly matched. I think each program is going to have some advantages in one area or another, but just in terms of playing style and some of the questions even that both schools have, some of the strengths that both schools have, some of the weaknesses, uh, they're pretty similar, I think. And so it's a really, really intriguing game, a lot of recruiting carryover. So I think there are just a lot of storylines, a lot of intrigue going into this one. One of the most important games of the year, and it's just right off the bat here in game one. Yeah, man. So I, you know, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm gonna start with the offense because I, I think we've talked about the offense um, you know, all offseason from a scheme standpoint to a playmaker standpoint, who's gonna step up standpoint. And I, I'm ready to finally actually see what South Carolina has with this scheme to see what Bobo can do as far as taking the parts that he's sort of inherited and, you know, move, move forward with it. So we now, obviously we talked about it all at the end of last week. We know who the quarterback is. It's going to be Colin Hill. He's the guy, he's the starter. So that question has been answered, but now we get to fill in all the other questions. Who's going to step up at wide receiver who can sort of take over that running back room that right now appears to be running back by committee. It may stay that way all year long. And then you have the fact of, this is an offensive line that I think South Carolina is going to have to count on to set the tone. If the offensive line does not set the tone, then it really could be a long year for this South Carolina offense. So I think when you look at that, um, those are some sort of just early storylines that I'm really looking forward to us getting to see sort of play out. And actually, after talking about Corona and everything else all offseason, we're actually going to be able to focus on some football. So with that said, Let's go ahead and bring in our very first guest of the season. It is our buddy, our friend, the coach, also the host of the Fade In podcast and a host on 107.5. He wears many hats. Today, he's wearing the hat of guest of our show. It is Eric Kimry. EK, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, glad to have you on. I know you got a lot of exciting things going. I know you had Chris on the Fade In yesterday. Uh, so first, I mean, we got to ask first, how, how did Chris do? I think that was, that's the first time he was on there. That's made it to, to uh public viewing, I guess. So how did he do? Was he all right? He was subpar, you know, I thought it was just average. I think there's a lot of things he can work on, to be honest. You know, uh, he was wearing his shades at first. I had to tell him to take those off. Um, you know, he had some good commentary, but I think he could brush some things up and hopefully next time be a little bit better. I totally agree. I totally agree. I appreciate your uh, coaching points, and I'm going to try to do better next time. I, I was just glad I, I got an invite earlier in the season this time, like to kick it off. So that made me feel good about myself. But I've been taken uh, back down to earth now. So, all right. So, um, so EK, big game, obviously. I know you and I talked a little bit off the air last week, and I think you said these are two fairly similar teams, at least. In, in many ways, the way that I think they structure, the way they want to win um, as far as offensively, two sort of pro-style offenses. Obviously, Jeremy Pruitt, Will Muschamp, both sort of in that saving tree of defense. So just off the top, 
What's the first thing about this game that has caught your eye as we sort of turn our attention to game week? I think it's a critical game, you know, Wes. I'm not one to say that it's going to be make or break of the season, but I I do think it's one of those games that South Carolina can win and and they need to win. And I think it's from a roster standpoint, they're very evenly matched. And uh, I do think that this is a game that South Carolina can win, but they're going to have to play well. Having them at home, I think, helps us a lot. Um, but to me, I think, you know, the matchup between their offensive line and our defensive line is going to be one to watch. As we go into this game, what are the big differences offensively that you're expecting from a Mike Bobo-led offense versus maybe what we've seen in the last couple of years with BMAC and then going back with Roper? I know pro style seems to be thrown around a lot, more under center. Everybody uses the words multiple when they're talking about Bobo. But um, from an offensive play caller's mindset, a coach's mindset, what do you see when you think of a Mike Bobo-led offense? Well, well, we'll see. But from what we've seen in the past, there's going to be a lot more, I think, diversity of run game. Uh, probably um, I would say he's going to use more pe- personnel groupings than uh, has been used in the past. And, and so which ones he mixes up, matches up, I don't know. Uh, but I do think you'll see a lot more schemes in the running game involving a fullback, involving multiple tight ends. I think you're going to see multiple tempos, sometimes huddle, sometimes no huddle. Uh, and then maybe sequences of play, sequencing of plays a little bit better to where he's going to have some plays that he has, uh, you know, dialed up to essentially set up other plays. Um, and so right, right now we don't know the answer to what does Mike Bobo plus South Carolina's offense mean. Um, and we also don't know who are the playmakers that are going to step up and make those plays. And we also don't know what's Colin Hill look like in an SEC stadium. Um, so there's a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I will say from what I've seen so far, I'm hopeful that uh, we're going to have a good plan in place. I'm always curious. So um, n- not necessarily Bobo specifically, but as a play caller, put yourself, you've obviously called a lot of games in, in your career now. As a play caller, when you go into game one of a season, and you, I'm sure you have an idea of what you think your guys are going to do, what you sort of expect, but maybe you got a bunch of guys that haven't done it in this scheme and haven't done it on the big stage yet. So are, are you taking an approach of kind of let's focus in on what I think we do well and trying to sort of simplify? Um, how, and how much of your mindset is let's focus on us versus let's – try and see what they're doing to us and adjust to that. Like how much of an offensive play caller's mindset is on sort of your side versus what you're seeing from your de- the defensive scheme you're facing? Well, you got to have a blend because you can have the greatest plan in the world. And if somebody comes out and does something completely different, uh, you got to adjust immediately. So I think the great play callers can do both at the same time. And also understanding that, you know, they've got to put their guys in position to be successful on um, whatever that may be. And so you're going to utilize your players' uh, talents and gifts and try to create some plays where you get athletes the ball in space. Um, I think you're going to want to try to find a little bit of balance in the middle of that. I think that we, we've got to establish a running game. If you look at last year's Tennessee game, I think we averaged something like 2.2 yards a carry. It was bad. I don't, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but it was really, really bad. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think it's both. And, and I've, I've gone into many games where I was like, oh, yeah, i got these little nuanced adjustments. And you throw them out because the defense is doing something completely different. So I think you got to have enough in your offense that you can take advantage of whatever the defense is giving you. 
Uh, and so if, if they want to play too high the whole game and they put less people in the box, you got to be able to run the football a little bit. And if you can't, then you're at a schematic disadvantage because it's going to be harder to throw the ball down the field in two deep coverages um, and vice versa. If they want to roll down and put an extra guy in, you got to be able to take advantage of that down the field and throw the football. That's why balance is key. Um, so I, I think that that's how Mike will approach it. I think he's got a more of a creative mind, particularly in the spring, in the screen game as well. And those are usually some cheap yards that you can get on the perimeter um, where you can, you know, maybe take the nerves off of a young quarterback and do some things to get a guy the ball in space. Because, I mean, that's literally what offensive football is about. All right, so Colin Hill, obviously his first start as a South Carolina player. We now know that. I, I think, you know, we've talked – that's sort of the way we thought this thing was was heading most of the offseason. Now it's official last week. Um, just from what you've seen, either going back, watching – a little bit of Colorado State or, or what you've seen maybe maybe this year so far, what can fans expect when they – this might be their first time. Everything's been so closed down. What will they expect? What type of player, what type of skill set have you seen from Colin Hill as he makes his first Carolina start? Well, I'll preface it and say I've never seen the guy in the game. So mm-hmm. it's one thing to do things in practice. It's different to doing the game. But from what I've seen, uh, he's got really good fundamentals. His, his, he doesn't waste a lot of motion. Uh, in his delivery and in his footwork. Uh, so both of those things I was really impressed with. He has a very strong arm. I think he can make any throw, and uh, and he looked very accurate to me. So uh, if, if he's a guy to me, if you can give him some time, um, and he's gonna he can hurt you down the field with his arm. So a strong arm, good mechanics, seems to have a good head on his shoulders. I know he's well-respected by his teammates. Seems to be the first guy in the building, the last one to leave. So um, I'm, I'm hoping for good things, but, you know, again, all I've seen is a little bit of practice and some, some highlights from his, his time at Colorado State. Well, let's first test and see if EK can hear me now. Hear We're good. Now. I think we had to kick me out and then back in. So there we go. We're still working through it, guys. Yeah, so, you know, head coaching perspective, a little bit broader picture here, EK. What, what are your thoughts on, like, the overall key to the game? It's something we hit on, on Fade In last night. So I know one thing that you had mentioned – um, not to answer the question for you, but just to get you to expand on it a little bit is is rushing the football. You know, you mentioned that South Carolina's carries last year, Tennessee, obviously with that big offensive line. Is that the main key? Is it whoever rushes for the most yards? Is it something else like turnover margin? Um, you know, yeah, what, I, what I, mind I is it? Rushing yards is going to be critical, and, and here's why. The, the strength of Tennessee's team is probably their offensive line and going to be their running game. And particularly on the road, first game of the year, nerves, all those kind of things, it's a little easier to run the football. Um, But I think that we match up well to their receivers. I think that our defensive backs, now that Jennings is gone and Callaway is gone, uh, you know, one of the deepest areas of our defense this year is is a corner. And uh, in terms of quality depth and the quality players there, I do think that we can take a lot of that vertical passing game away. Uh, the things that hurt us last year, you know, were those big plays, and hopefully we can eliminate those this year. So I think Tennessee's going to have to really lean on their running game for for yardage, and if we can do a good job in neutralizing that, I think that that's going to be hard yards for them to come by. Uh, last year they they played pretty good on defense, but really it was just some big plays and and um, some special teams miscues, and then they just kind of ran out of gas, which is what happens when your offense goes three and out the whole second half. So. Uh, to me, I think if our defense can limit their, their running game, and, and then uh, I also think if our offense can find some creative ways to run the football, 
have a nice positive five yards, a carry kind of game in the running game so that you're not asking. Like I think last year, Ryan Holinsky threw the ball 51 times. If you go into an SEC football game and you throw the ball 51 times, you're going to lose. Uh, so you'd love to see Colin Hill in the 25 to 30, you know, attempts range, in my opinion, and uh, and some healthy balance. So, um, you know, I think the, the strength of our offense is probably going to be our offensive line. So which strength takes over more, uh, theirs or ours? And I think that those rushing yards are going to be an indication of who has the most success overall in the game. Yeah, didn't you tweet was, – was that from the call-in show that, that Carolina threw the ball more than LSU did Yeah, last, last year? year? Isn't that crazy? Like, Ryan Flinsky <laughs> threw the ball more than Joe Burrow last year. Uh, but that's not a good sign because we were down a lot and we didn't – we weren't able to run the football effectively. Now, in my opinion, some of that's because we had, you know, a very simplistic run scheme with, with uh, you know, the zone play and the pin and pull being our what we did the most. I think with uh, with Mike Bobo, you're going to see a lot more diversity of run scheme, and uh, and hopefully that helps. But you know, at the same time, you got to learn that and you got to execute that. I can get up on the board and draw up the best play in the world, but if if the guys go the wrong way or don't block the right guys, it doesn't matter. Yeah, very uh, less than ideal to to say the least. Uh, was that 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 was when you tweeted it? I guess I I don't know. It, it was mind blowing for me yeah. uh, to to just read it. Uh, but okay, so. Going into this game, Ryan Holinsky now has to sort of turn his attention to you're, you're the backup, right? And I know, um, EK, you've experienced that. I'm sure of what it's like to be a backup and have to be ready and get yourself mentally prepared. And then, then you don't you don't go in. And then maybe the, the next week comes out, you get mentally prepared, and you don't go in again. But you sort of have to stay mentally tuned in to where – when, and we're going to talk about one of those times you did come in here in a second because we're coming up on an anniversary of that. But what does your mindset have to be right now if you're Ryan Helensky as far as turning it away from from number three, you know, myself, turn away from Helensky and sort of being about the team because it is important now. Obviously, if anything happens to QB1, Helensky has to turn his attention to, to being ready to go in. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, he's got to get over the disappointment of not being the starter this year. Um, you know, I think if you walk away from last year in his mind, when Jake Bentley left, he was like, okay, this is this is my job. And now that's not the case. And, you know, we're, if you play college football, you're an intensely competitive person. So he's got to get over that disappointment first and accept the role right now of being a backup and being ready to go if your number's called on. And that means you have to be as mentally present as a starter you have to be clued into what's going on with the defense. Um, you know, what are the coverages are running in the middle of the game? How are they aligning to certain sets? Uh, what kind of plays that you like if you were going in? So, um, you know, that'll be an adjustment for him. Uh, and I, but listen, got to give the guy a little bit of a break. He was kind of thrust into that position last year. It's tough to come in and, and, and be a true freshman and start and be effective, particularly when some of your receivers get banged up as the year goes on. Uh, so, you know, I think that that's where he's got to – he's just got to get in a positive mindset to say, okay, this is my role right now. I've got to be ready when I'm called on, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. EK, so want to move away, if it's all right with everyone, from the Tennessee game because I know we got to let you go here soon. Got to hit on this, I think, before we let you go. We were talking last night, and you reminded me that Wednesday, I think it is, 20-year anniversary of the fade – 
pretty crazy. No? I can't hear you, Chris. He can't hear wow. me again. Okay. Um, I'm just going to – I'm going to get rid of Chris. Uh, I'll see you later on, Chris. Um, dude, you're better, so you're better basically – anyway, Wes, right? <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. Basically what Chris was saying is that you're old, I believe was his um, – the big take there. But, dude, 20 years since the fade, um, can, can you believe it? And, yeah. I mean, does it feel like 20 years ago? No, it doesn't. It goes fast, you know, 20 years and, you know, 25 pounds ago or whatever it is now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just – it's it's can't believe it's been that long. It's clearly a, a play that I always, you know, remember and love and enjoy. And the fact that – you know, I wasn't a very good player. I was just average. I, I, I knew the game really, really well. Uh, I knew where to go with the ball. Um, and at the end of the day, I just wanted to help the team and, and to have an opportunity to do that in that setting and to be a part of, a, you know, a play that, you know, Gamecock fans remember and love is really cool for me and my family. You know, my kids have seen it a few times and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, 20 years, it goes fast, man. I can't believe um, that we're sitting here. I mean, I felt like yesterday somebody did an article about the 10 year anniversary and now here I am 10 years later. So uh, hopefully I'll be around for like the 50 year anniversary, maybe the 60 year anniversary. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have to have a big, big party for that. Um, in your, in your new backyard with your Ryan Brewer fence and, uh, right. the pool you got, um, but, uh, Hey, so is, is there, are there any stories related to the fade that have not been told before? Like at, at some point, I know you've talked about it. You've been asked about it probably a million times. Are there any stories in any of the media settings that just have not gotten out there, or have you pretty much told all the inside stories about the fate? Um, no, I mean, there, there's a – I guess I'm sure there's some. I remember uh, when Phil went down and, um, and you know, the, the fate happened, and then I came and sat down on the bench, and Buddy Pugh was our strength coach. And I, or not our strength coach, our running back coach. And he came to, like, basically kiss me on the helmet because he was so happy for what happened. Because I had known Coach Pugh my whole life. He coached at Fairfield Central, coached against my dad. And uh, and his his microphone thing that he was talking into got caught in my face mask. <laughs> I pull it out. Um, so that was one thing that happened then. And then uh, I remember this guy told me the story. A lot of people will tell me like kind of what they were doing and what happened. And he had to leave the game early to go to Charlotte because his wife was, you know, in labor. She went in labor. So he goes up there to Charlotte and on the way to the hospital is when I threw the fade and he went to the hospital and they delivered a very healthy baby girl. And he tried to convince his wife to name her Erica uh, in honor of the fade and me. And, uh, and she shut it down, but he told me that story. Oh man, You didn't do that. So, so anyway, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stories, and people will come and say, "This is what I was doing," or "This is are you?" Are there's a I've had a couple people say that they got arrested that night. Those are always interesting stories. So, <laughs> uh, what what was it like in class the next day? And I, I think you are you are a studious guy. You did act. You were a student athlete. You were going to class the next day or Monday. Well, I'm Monday, sure. Yeah. yeah, Monday. What what was class like on Monday? Well, yeah, I think I got a standing ovation. A standing ovation in like three of my classes. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, because I wasn't – no one – I was the seventh-string quarterback the year before. I mean, there was an article written about – it was called The Wheel of Misfortune, talking about the six quarterbacks that Carolina played. 
And at the bottom, it was like the only quarterback on roster not to play was was a walk-on Eric Kimry. And I, I got copies of that, and I put it up all over my house, and I really worked hard. And that between yeah. that and the scheme change of going to the spread, I was able to be the second string. And uh, and so people didn't know who I was. They knew who I was because I was a local guy. Um, right. But I remember the student paper. I was on the front of it. And, like, you know, they put it all over my girlfriend, now my wife's door. And uh, and people were really supportive in class. And even some professors and things like that said stuff. So it was neat. And, you know, it was, it was a neat time for me. Awesome, man. 20 years ago, Wednesday. So, uh, dude, we appreciate the time. I know you got to yeah, go. Man. But, um, hey, real quick, uh, what should we expect from the column? I have no idea. So <laughs> uh, no, we'll find out with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I want to be able to just branch out in different takes and it might be scheme one week. Uh, it might be uh, the psychology of football one week. It could be some um, undergirding coaching philosophies one week. So it'll just be whatever feels right. But I'm excited about um, doing a little bit of writing. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and my wife's encouraged me to do. And uh, and so we'll uh, we'll get that out next week. And then, uh, you know, also check out the Fade In podcast. That's yep. been going good. We'll have to have you back on it soon, Wes. And then uh, tonight, we're really tomorrow, we're launching a, a Fade In Productions because it's not just me. I, I have people that help me so I can still like mm-hmm. coach football and stuff. Uh, we're <laughs> launching a Patreon site. We're just going to have some really fun stuff. Uh, I'm doing a whole nother podcast called The Clinic, which is going to get a little bit more detailed into some of the stuff, but also some fun takes. Uh, and then we're going to have some bonus content from Fade In behind that Patreon wall and some other goodies. So check that out. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll send all that stuff out soon. So uh, I'm excited about some of this extra content that we're going to be doing. Yeah, and it's um it's actually already on our Gamecock Central page. If you are watching this, if you go to yeah. GamecockCentral.com, hit the Eric Kimry headline, and there's a link to his Patreon, Fade In, all that stuff. So And we'll uh, be putting that stuff out uh, really tomorrow. So nothing's on it right now, but it's all, okay. it'll, all be, it'll all be on it tomorrow. And then I'll be able to add to it whenever I want to. So that'll it'll be fun. I'll even get on the board sometimes and draw some stuff up. And and uh, okay. it, it should be again, it should be lighthearted and a lot of fun. But but hopefully give you a, a little bit more of appreciation of the game. I know that the more that you understand the game, to me, the more that you'll enjoy seeing it. And I've done right. you know, ladies ladies clinics and stuff before, Wes. And when you do that, they they really love. Oh look, that's cover four. Oh look, that's cover two. <laughs> And uh, and so it'll be more in depth than that, but uh, I want to give people just the tools to see and enjoy the game a little bit more. Awesome, good stuff, man. Again, that's Eric Kimry. Eric, um, congrats on being old, and uh, we love you, man. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> All right, Eric Kimry, good stuff from him as well. I know we had to get him out of here. He uh, had something to, somewhere to be at two thirty. As I, I guess I'll bring Chris back in. Oh, um, yeah. Well. I mean, I thought that was a great interview between myself and Eric. I don't know where you went, but you guys did a good uh, job. I, I really, I'm really down on myself. We started the day with him telling me I was extremely, I wasn't even average. I was subpar on fade in, overshadowed by Pearson and Ben and Eric, and then he can't even hear my questions. And then I got kicked off. Bad day for me. Bad 24 hours for me. Yeah, yeah. it's rough. You're gonna have to uh, bounce back though. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever you face adversity, Chris, you have to yes. find a way to bounce back. So, all right, that was our all right, that was our literally literal first guest we've ever had live. I'm sure y'all could tell, <laughs> but we got through it. So, um, thanks for bearing with us. We did once we sort of got rolling, got some really good stuff from EK, I yeah. think. And um I, I'm curious to see 
like we talked about. I, like it, it would be so fascinating right now to be in Mike Bobo's head and <laughs> to actually know what it's like going into a game. You you just installed your new offense, right? You have so many new guys that you've never actually worked with on a game day. And man, Chris, I don't care how much you scrimmage. I don't care how much you try to um, mimic a game day, which they've done. They've done a 7.30 scrimmage to mimic this week. They've done a noon scrimmage to mimic week two. You can do all that stuff, right? Nothing compares to actually the guys going out there and and doing it for the first time in this scheme. So Bobo, I think there's going to have to be an adjustment period within the first part of this game, right, where maybe some things look like what you think, but then maybe some things don't. Um, I do think, Chris, that it helps that this Pruitt scheme does have some similarities to what the players and Bobo are seeing every day in practice. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, the, the thing that makes you would make you feel good about it if you're either Bobo himself or the coaching staff or, or if you're a Gamecock fan, not to say that South Carolina is going to go light up the scoreboard. I, I don't think we expect that this season in general and not for this game also in game one. But he, he's been there before. He's done this. Um, he's coached a lot of really good offenses, but he's also coached in a lot of different periods of transition, right? I mean, he's coached freshman quarterbacks. You know, I think of Matthew Stafford, who ended up being the number one overall draft pick still in the NFL. He played for Georgia as a freshman. And at times he went through some struggles. At times they didn't score a ton of points, even though they still had a good bit of talent at Georgia. And so he's been there. He's transitioned into being a head coach and still calling plays at Colorado State. He talked about that in his media availability recently in terms of just expanding like the the receiver screen game and the running back screen game that they did. He said, look, when we got there, we had to look at who our playmakers were. They weren't as much at running back. They were more at receivers. So we did some things differently. And so, you know, he can look at the body of work of this team so far and what they did, limited spring practice, and then what they were able to do in preseason camp. And he can take that and come up with a game plan. And Mike Bobo also has so much experience that he'll be able to adjust in game. But the other side of that is, as Eric alluded to, you know, you always go into a game with certain things and you have your plans. And sometimes, look, the other defensive guys on the other side, Jeremy Pruitt and his guys, they're out there scheming too. They're out there making adjustments. And so you always have to plan for that. And and to be frank, man, this is not going to be one of the more talented offensive teams just in terms of personnel that Mike Bobo's coach. They're going to be limited in some regard with, with some of the things they can do just with putting the ball in guys' hands. They don't have as many options there. So um, it is fascinating. Uh, Mike Bobo has been there, and, and that gives you, I think um, – like I said, as a staff for Bobo himself, as Gamecock fans, you feel like you got a steady hand there. You got a steady hand at quarterback and Colin Hill, but you still have to go out there and, and play well and try to score enough points to win. Yeah, man. So um, I'm excited to see all those things actually play out. We do uh, we do have some questions over here, and um, you know, obviously, at times we you know we just wanted to focus on the interview there, but I want to get back to some of these questions that rolled through. And if you missed the interview, we're going to post uh, just the interview segment um, afterwards. It'll be archived on, on our YouTube page there, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. But uh, I saw a recruiting question come through. So, Chris, uh, I know you've been keeping up a lot better than I have with the way some of the guys have done on, on Friday nights. Was there – is there any guy – I, I think maybe at some point 
uh, let's maybe just do like a recruit of the week or something. Whoever has a, you know, a big game. Um, was there anybody in particular? I, I know some of the guys haven't even started yet. Uh, Colton Gothier, yeah. I know he, uh, he won. I mean, I think they lost the week before, but that was their first dub of the year through a couple of big touchdown passes, 2021 quarterback recruit, but any guy or two that deserves some, uh, some maybe some kudos this week as far as South Carolina commitments or targets? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, man, you, you got to consider um, uh, it's not quite half, but some guys like Simeon Price's game got moved to tonight. Um, there's some guys in, in North Carolina uh, that obviously are going to have their seasons were pushed to spring. Some of those guys will enroll early, so actually we won't even play this season. Um, had one guy that's not playing, one commitment that's not playing this season. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple guys that come to mind, you know, Colton Gothier, their team on Friday did pick up their first win over Elbert County. Um, you know, Gothier had, I didn't, don't have his complete stats this, uh, for this past week, but he did have a couple touchdown passes of 44 and 42 yards. Looks like he's off to a good, pretty good start this season, man. He looks, looks pretty sharp, looks good throwing the ball, new offensive system. Um, Sam Reynolds. They had a game that I think was on the ESPN network. I think they're mm-hmm. they're ranked number one right now. Um, he had a 36-yard touchdown catch, you know, in that game. Uh, Caleb McDowell for Lee County. That They're always loaded, man. Lee County is where Jamie Robinson played. They beat Crawford County 66 to nothing. And, uh, wow. you know, he, he didn't play a ton, obviously, but uh, he had a 56-yard touchdown run, I think, on the first play of the game. So, just a few standouts there. Like you said, man, some guys haven't even started yet. Um, so th- there'll be even more action here in the coming weeks. Yes, and we'll, we'll obviously keep that, keep up with all that on, on Gamecock Central. But so as far as recruiting goes, I think th- this was probably worth mentioning anyway, but we did have a question about it, Chris. Um, and you had an update today. Tyon Evans, former Hartsville running back. He's at JUCO now, was committed Interestingly enough, to South Carolina's opponent this Saturday, Tennessee had just kind of a, um, I would say, a, a random, almost out of the blue. Um, now I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Tennessee guys were anticipating this, but it doesn't seem like it. So, um, out of the blue, Tyon Evans decommits from Tennessee, is looking around again. Um, Chris, are you anticipating South Carolina being involved here at all? Well, here's what we know so far, and I'll answer your question first. It doesn't seem like it. I don't. I don't think that we can guarantee that there won't be involvement. As of yesterday, there had not been. And here's the other thing, Wes. You gotta. You gotta remember, Evans committed to Tennessee in April. There were a lot of reasons to think that South Carolina was in good shape there, and so you can sort of go back to maybe how that was handled. Maybe wasn't the best uh, look. I guess you could say the easiest way to put it. But on top of that, since that time, South Carolina's landed two running backs. You know, Caleb McDowell, who I mentioned earlier out of Lee County, and Terry O'Brown out of Savannah was the second back that committed. And South Carolina came into this class, you know, eyeing one back, maybe two if it was the right guy. And they, as you know, Wes, they liked Ontario Brown enough to where they wanted to take him. So squeezing a third back into this class unless something happens just doesn't look, no matter who it is, really, doesn't look like something that's feasible right now. They just took three last year. They're getting, they could get everybody back from this roster next year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know if there's a South Carolina angle there. I understand with him being from Hartsville why there's that thought process, but we don't really know why it happened. It took Tennessee by surprise, too. 
but it doesn't appear that it was, you know, precipitated by anything on the South Carolina end so far. Yep. So we'll, we'll obviously, we'll pay attention to that. We'll track it. It just doesn't seem like anything's moving right now. And I'll say it like this, Chris, sometimes when a guy decommits, it's for a very specific reason. And, and that means sort of either a something bad has maybe happened between the relationship with the current team they're with, or, you know, we, we've seen situations in the past where South Carolina has kept working someone and stayed in touch. And we'd hear, you know, Hey, watch out, this guy may decommit and then look at, you know, just decommit with the purpose of flipping to South Carolina yep. by all indications, we can correctly say, that that's not the case here. This isn't something where he's like just decommitting and South Carolina was expecting it and working him. Um, it, it seems like, like you said, you never say never, but right now it just doesn't seem like that's the direction that this is headed. Um, I'm curious, man, because we are going to start to get the next few weeks, next couple of weeks, a look at some of the guys, you know, in state pri- private school has already started. Um, you know, I, I actually was over at Hammond, uh, Friday and caught them, uh, you know, Kimry and those guys. And y- your boy CJ Stokes had another really, really good day. If you haven't haven't checked and seen if he has his huddle up from this past week, but he had, dude, he had one run that was just ridiculous. And talking about talking to people there, um, you know, South Carolina was the first to offer last um, last summer. Obviously, not this past summer. And then Minnesota has stepped in with an offer. Um, I think he's one of those guys, dude, if camps were allowed, he'd already have a bunch more offers. And from what I have picked up around Hammond, the kid has put on a lot of really good weight. He's added muscle. He's a workout warrior. And he's still running. I mean, what did he time? A 4-4-0 or 4-3? I mean, something, something ridiculous. So I think he's being held back right now because of some people are going to be fair or unfair hesitant because of skis a ball. Um, but I look at CJ and I think I've seen him enough now where I'm like, man, I think this guy, the, the speed element alone, um, he's going to make somebody really, really happy. So that that's twice I've seen those guys play this year. And, you know, it's been nice that they they went ahead and started back when, when South Carolina high school league has not started back. And you have, again, some really good players there with, with him and, and Drew Bobo there at Hammond. Yeah, I mean, CJ, I, I remember the first time I saw him, I, I went to the school to go talk to Jackson Muschamp and Alex Huntley. Um, Jordan Birch was not available for an interview at that time, <laughs> as you know, us. But uh, CJ is a guy that Eric Kimry, you know, introduced me to at that time. And um, he was about 170 pounds then. Um, still was a fast guy, but Kimry had really good things to say about him. He said, look, this guy's going to be really good. He really works. Um, you know, really like CJ's disposition. You could tell he was just all about ball and track and, and he was going to work. And so I know, uh, I don't know what, I don't know if you have the accurate measure now, now Wes, but I know he was 190. He'd put on at least 20 pounds, you know, since the first time I saw him. And, and this has been over a year, but he looks mm. a lot bigger. He's, he's running well. He looks more like a true running back now, but still really fast. And then, Drew Bobo, you know, is another one that we've heard really good things about. He's playing well. Look, we, we know that Skiza can produce some good athletes, man, in sports. I, I do know, I understand people have some hesitancies or, or whatever it may be. Um, but you could say that about 
whatever, 1A public school ball or whatever it may be. Yeah. John Abraham came out of a small school. You know, I mean, it, it can happen. And so, yeah, th- those two guys are certainly ones to watch in state for that 22 class. And there's some other ones as well, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of um, in-state guys, I also I've been texting with a buddy of mine who's tied in there at Gaffney and Tyrion Ingram Dawkins in scrimmage settings has apparently been on the warpath, has been outstanding so far, which is a great sign because you know he was a guy when he first started getting offers. I think there was some projection there, right? Like he was still sort of growing into his body, and um, you know I, I think basically has really started to to get comfortable playing more inside, I, I think, and, um, you know, being a 300-pounder and stuff like that, and just has, has I, I would say, taken his game to another level just based on the feedback I've heard um, from guys around there. Now now let's see, wh- where is he going to play his college ball? I think that's the question everybody has. Is it South Carolina? Is it Tennessee? Is it Georgia? North Carolina is in the Final Four. I'd be a little shocked if it was them, but – um, you know, we'll see that that's when we're always, I would say, constantly uh, monitoring the situation of. And uh, Chris, you got anything new on uh, on Tyrion? No, not really, man. I, I think that's one that, um, you know, it reminds me a little of Jordan Birch. Definitely that not the way the recruitment's been handled because Jordan was extremely low key, obviously. But uh, just the fact that a, more than one school feels good about him and with the level of communication that he has with how active he is on social media, that's not really a surprise. I still think there's some things that, you know, point favorably towards South Carolina, but just something that we have to, uh, you know, we're going to have to continue to monitor. It's he's, he's teased many times being close to an announcement. Uh, so we'll just see when that happens. And uh, look guys, you're going to make me leave if you keep doing the, the thing. I mean, Wes might kick me out again, you know, in a minute anyway. So if he doesn't make me leave, I might just show myself out. Yeah, for those who are listening, not watching, uh, Miss Lynn said uh, for me to get Chris coached up on the technology. Although this one, I I could hear you. So I think this was actually a StreamYard issue, as funny as it is to pretend that it was a you issue. Um, I could hear you fine, and I think they could hear you from what uh, Rob said there. It was just for some reason it wasn't shooting it over to to Camry. So that's something we're going to have to get figured out. But, again, it's our – We've done lives before this, our first like live guest, and I knew I had a feeling I was like something, something will go wrong. Um, so all right, we're closing in on game day, right? What is this? Is this five five days away? Five days from kickoff. I got to tell everybody real quick: if you're not going to Williams Bryce Stadium, head on down to Market on Main. They have a uh, exclusive South Carolina Tennessee watch party going on. I posted about this on Gamecock Central. Twenty uh, three foot LED screen. Uh, live music before the game. Chris and I obviously were out there on Friday. Amazing venue. So I can't tell you enough. I, I'm not going to be there for this game, but I certainly at some point am going to be out there to hang out with you guys as well if you come. So that's Main Street, Columbia, South Carolina, Market on Main. If you go to Gamecock Central or you go to, uh, to the, the Market on Main Instagram, the Market on Main Facebook, pretty much anywhere you can find links to get your reserve tickets. Basically, it's $50 a person, but that that pays for your meal. So you're just paying ahead to reserve your seat. Again, Market on Main, exclusive South Carolina versus Tennessee watch party starting out this Saturday at 4 o'clock. That's when the live music kicks off. So um, going to be a great time. All right. Our show, by the way, 
later on this week. We will have who, – who do we have joining us on Wednesday, Chris? I know we're working through guests. But we already – we obviously had EK today. We've got – we're going to have a Tennessee perspective on Wednesday. Some days we'll have guests. Some days you'll just have to deal with me and Chris. But we do already have a guest locked in for Wednesday. We may keep it clear tomorrow because for those of you who keep track of such things, Muschamp and players will speak um, tomorrow late afternoon or late morning, early afternoon. We'll be talking about Tennessee for the first time. So we'll have coverage of all that. Then Chris and I will turn around and talk about it. But um, who we got on Wednesday, Chris? Yeah, Wednesday, Austin Price from VolQuest.com. That is our Tennessee sort of counterpart on the Rivals Network. So Austin, you know, is is really dug in on the program um, and Tennessee's recruiting there, but covers football and recruiting. Uh, He was at Jeremy Pruitt's press conference today. Heard him asking some questions. So we'll talk with Austin and sort of get the Tennessee perspective and be able to ask him a lot of questions and sort of pick his brain about the Vols in advance of the game. So looking forward to that for sure. Yep, and um, tell you what, man, we have a lot of people on here, so yeah. <laughs> let let's try to let's make this up on the fly. All right, um, let's do it. If if you have Twitter and you're on here right now, I need for you to tweet about the show and link it, and tell people that they need to tune in and subscribe. All right. Tag tag me, tag Gamecock Central, tag somebody. <laughs> Out of all the people on there, I'll pick somebody random. And tomorrow, if you have a Chick-fil-A near you, I will pay for your Chick-fil-A breakfast on my app and have it delivered to you. If what? there's a Chick-fil-A near you. So the key is on Twitter – you got to tweet for people how much you love the show. Go way over the top to all your friends to listen. Link it and tag me. I'll pick one of you. Whatever you want from Chick Fil A tomorrow, you got to have a Chick Fil A near your house. I'll hit. I'll hit the mobile order on my app and send you your breakfast. And we don't even have a deal with Chick Fil A. I'm paying for it out of my pocket. Just that's the first thing that came to mind. I want to buy somebody Chick Fil A. So because everybody's happier. I don't care who you are, you're happier if you start the day with Chick-fil-A. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. You're not eligible, Chris. I know. But I didn't figure uh, out was. Hopefully that I mean, y'all got surely some of y'all are gonna take advantage of that, right? Um or share it on Facebook too, but you gotta tag me so I know to pick from you. Um, all right, dude. We're 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 we got about what eight minutes left. So what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Well, you know, we could, one idea that I had since we're making things up on the fly, we could answer a couple of these questions like super, like seriously rapid fire, right? Yeah. And then I want to make sure before we let the people go, we can do this at the end. I do want to talk about the game day chair a little bit more. And then we got to let people know we had Kimry on earlier. If you didn't hear Kimry, go back, listen to Kimry. Watch Wes kick me off of the show. And uh, we got to talk about the promo that we have on Gamecock Central, right? We normally give the people a deal. We got an even better one. So you can get EK stuff. You can get all our stuff all the time. But what do you think about like answering a couple questions real quick? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can do some questions. We got some more on there. Yeah, we have a few that we didn't hit. 
Um, let's see. You want me to just run through a couple of them that I see? And like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Seriously for rapid it. fire. Um, so I know one that we saw are Devontae Davis and Tyreek Johnson behind the freshmen as far as the rotation in their positions. Uh, yeah, I mean, not probably so, yeah. I mean, you look at um, inside players, you know, you've obviously got KT, Jabari Ellis, you got Sandage, you got Pickens inside. That's sort of your top four. And then Alex Huntley and Makia Scott have really done a nice job. They've been mentioned for, you know, another another slot in there. So Tyreek's had some injuries. Devontae had a list Frank injury. I think that was last year. So they still got a chance. Um, but yeah, right now they got some guys inside. Um, we mentioned we, we covered Tyon Evans. Someone asked how many O linemen opted out. Uh, it was Jordan Rhodes and Mark Fox, but Rhodes opted back in. So he is a part of the team. Um and hot rod last one I see hot rod fitting. Um, yeah, so he's still in there at Buck slash Sam, but JJ Anigbari, the starter at Buck, the presumptive starter. Jordan Birch is certainly in that mix. He's made a move. Brad Johnson can play Buck situationally. And so Fitton's, you know, in the mix there. Um, not sure that he'll be the the backup. That might end up being Birch. He's going to be in a position to potentially help, especially situationally. You want to take the health question there, Wes, from our man Shane Oliver, regular. Yeah, Shane, you got to uh, you got to do better, man. You're late. Uh, Shane asks, are we 100 percent, actually 100 emoji percent healthy going into the Tennessee game? Man, I, um, I mean, I don't think anybody, even to start the year, nobody's 100 percent, right? Uh, for the most part, obviously, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's out for the year. For the most part, the guys that are going to play this year. I would say are, are relatively healthy. There's been bangs, bruises, stuff like that. There's probably, I'm sure, there's a guy or two that it's not public about. Um, you know, that that's banged up. And you know, I, I think the the main one I would circle would be Zaquandre White. Um, how does he feel going into this week? Muschamp mentioned what was that? Was that Thursday that he spoke to Steve Fink and named Colin Hill the starting quarterback? He also mentioned. Zaquandre White, not really sure if he was 100%. You know, is he closer to 95% by game day, or is it a situation where you have to hold him back? You know, we'll see. But for the most part, you know, I, I think they're relatively healthy. Um, the, the real questions from just a availability roster standpoint will be, does anybody pop up in the next five days as being, you know, COVID positive or contact traced? That's something that's no – there's no way to know that. Um and then, um, you know, does Jalen Brooks get the waiver? Which, you know, who knows? I mean, that question's been asked all offseason, but there's just no way to answer it because it's literally, unless you have a source inside the NCAA that's talking, which I don't know anybody that does. I wish I did. It's, it's just hard to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to say. And, you know, everybody asks about the timeline or if the coaches have any indication. I don't think so. I mean, you feel like the kid's got a good case. But, you know, it, it doesn't really – those things don't always matter, whether a kid seems to have a good case or doesn't. The timing, whether or not a kid gets one, all that stuff can just it's, – it's sort of like they just make it up as they go along. So we don't know. Um, you know, hopefully for Jalen and for South Carolina, it'll be before the Tennessee game, but, but we really don't know. And so they, they have to deal with that this week. They have to figure out, you know, how many reps do we give this kid in practice and, and things like that. But – Soon as we know, we'll we'll let the people know if we can find out, but we don't know right now. 
Yeah, uh, Craig said, "What about Blue Marlin? Does Blue, Blue Marlin doesn't even have breakfast, do they? I don't. I don't think they have breakfast. Um, but that oh. that's also a little. Now, if, if you got a free gift card, I can give away Craig. Then I'd be. I'd love to give away some Blue Marlin. But um, let's see. We did have a couple more coming in. Craig asked about. Um, uh, I lost it. You see it, Chris? Yeah, he asked about Justin and, and said, "Are they lighting a fire under him, or has he hit a wall and probably not going to be the starter?" Yep, there you go. You know, I mean, I, I I don't think you can say he's not going to be the starter this season, right? I mean, it, it was compared by Eric Wolford himself to the situation with Dennis Daly. And, you know, you, you had a kid come in, got off to a great start with Jazz, got to a great start with the spring, but obviously it was cut short to five days. So – I think you look, and that would have been very helpful for him to get those extra practices in. They have high expectations for him, and they love his talent. It's not that he's not talented. I think it's just a matter – I wouldn't say it's that they're pushing him just to push him, but that the competition is still open because no one has consistently said or played to the the point to be able to say, this is my spot, right? I mean – I think it easily, just because it's not Jazz this Saturday, if it's not Jazz this Saturday, doesn't mean it's not going to be him eventually. So I think I tend to think it may end up being Jalen Nichols and Dylan Wanham this week. But then as the year goes on, that could certainly change. And that could change that could change tomorrow. You know, we we don't actually know and we're not at practice. Nobody's at practice right now. So um, it, it's really hard to say, but I, I think, you know, Chris, we talked about this and I'm getting well past the, the rapid fire aspect here, but the, uh, you could see more rotation on the offensive line this year, just because there are more, there are more guys that fit what they're looking for athletically. Yeah. I mean, do, do you say, Hey, it's time to give Ja'Kai more a series, you know, or something, um, it looks like, you know, Hutcherson set, Gwent Rhodes, when he's back in playing shape, d- does he eventually step up and start? I mean, Javon Gwent at right guard was mentioned by Muschamp on his TV show as being the the, the Terminex pest player of the offseason or something like that on offense, Brad Johnson on defense. So high wow. praise for Javon Gwent there. He's improved a lot. Um, but Jordan Rhodes is back in the mix. And then you got maybe four guys at tackle that you could eventually play. So, yeah, I mean, they've got some guys that could rotate more. I think the good news about it is that you don't feel like you have you don't have two options. You know, you feel like you've got four that you feel pretty good about. Do you feel great? You know, maybe not because you got to bring some of these younger guys along, but you do feel like you can trot probably four guys, four different guys out there and, and win with them there. Yep. So um, and guys, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all this as the week goes on. Uh, Shane, my email is Wes at GamecockCentral.com. I saw you asking about that. If you are, if you're on here on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're on here, um, on Facebook, I guess hit the like button. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, leave a five-star review or something or leave Chris a one-star review, just leave, leave something. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so I'm guessing you, do we want to do 2 o'clock tomorrow, Chris? Yeah, I think 2 will be good given the uh, media stuff we got going on. You know, the must uh, players. Yeah. yeah, 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're, we're trying to decide if we're going to settle in on that being 
just two o'clock period, or if, if another time maybe in the morning is better, but, um, yeah, we appreciate y'all joining us and Chris real quick, tell them about the game day chair again, and y'all, uh, y'all, um, check out affordable yeah, so the game day chair, we got links. If you guys go to GamecockCentral.com and you, you click on sort of our show link that's on the front page, we've got information on the game day chair. There's a link to it. We'll start putting the link. Maybe we can start flashing it across West. Sometimes we've got a little custom link for it during the show as well. But um, super comfortable chair. The guys at Affordable Medical USA, they make uh, this show happen. Um, and it's a super comfortable chair. It can go in all sorts of different positions. Awesome for your saturday college football viewing and wes we got to let them know about the kimry promo too before oh. we get out of here for sure you want to probably should have done that yeah you you tell them it's the promo code is kimry right that's right um, so, yeah so if you're, if you're not a subscriber already um shane i don't know if you're a subscriber but you as much as you like the show you should subscribe um hit uh he gave you six stars chris which i didn't even think was possible so go on there, put in the code Kimry, you get 60% off your first year on the site. And uh, then you can read Kimry's insight. You can read our insight, our regular beat writer coverage as well with, uh, with uh, Kyle and Taylor, basketball, baseball, everything you want. But, hey, guys, gals, we appreciate it. Um, I think that's going to do it for today. But we will see you all tomorrow, 2 o'clock. We'll go 2 to 3. Don't know if we'll have a guest because we'll have plenty to talk about just from the must champ stuff. But if somebody pops up, we, we may have somebody pop in. And then Wednesday, we're at two o'clock as well. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll, we'll let, let you know, know on Wednesday. But we uh, we certainly will have a guest uh, talking about Tennessee on that day. So for Eric Kimry, for Chris Clark, for all of Gamecock Central, I'm Wes Mitchell, and we'll see you all tomorrow at two. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.